get pretty busy but not be worshiping. You got it? We can be coming to church and we can be doing ministry and we can be tithing and we can be doing this and we can be doing that. Listen, God, God wants our ministry. God wants our service and that's all part of it. But listen to me. God wants our worship. He wants us to be a sweet fragrance unto him. All right, open your Bibles, please. Um, we'll be looking at several verses. We'll be in Matthew chapter 4, and we'll be in Psalms chapter 100, and we'll be a little bit in Deut- Deuteronomy, okay? Um, so this morning, we're, we're going to finish this series on worship. And, and I hope that you, and I pray that you've taken bits and pieces of it, and, and, you're, and, you're, and you're making some notes in your heart and in your mind. And so we want to wrap it up if we can this morning. I heard about a pastor and he got his call to a church and um, the second Sunday that he preached, he preached the very same message he preached on the first Sunday. Can you imagine that? And so the third Sunday rolls around and this pastor gets up and guess what? He preaches the same exact message that he preached on week one and week two. Well, you know, for the first couple of weeks, the people were just kind of like, okay, whatever. But the third week when he preached the same message, uh, the deacons come to him and said, preacher, we need to meet with you after services. And so they met and, and they said, you know, it's a fine sermon and everything, pastor, but uh, don't you have another one? And he said, uh, <laughs> he says, well, when people start acting on this one, I'll move on to something else. A true story, that one wasn't true, of course, but a true story is there was a preacher down in Argentina, in Argentina, his name was Juan Carlos Ortiz, and a number of years ago, um, he, he, he tells of what happened, and he was in his church one Sunday morning, and he got up to preach, and he said, the message for today is love one another. And then he sat down. In a few minutes, he got back up because the people were just kind of restless. They were just sitting there and they were just waiting on, you know, what's going to happen next. And so he got up again and he said, the message for today is love one another. And then again, he sat down. The third time, the third time he went to the pulpit and he said, The message for today is love one another, and until we begin doing that, there won't be any more messages. Slowly, a rather strange thing happened. People began turning to one another, talking with one another, praying with one another, caring for one another, taking the burden on of one another, and even opening their wallets up to those with some financial need. And he, of course, he said the church was never, after, was never the same after that. You see, some messages are just worth repeating. Amen? And certainly the one we have this morning about worship is worth repeating and repeating and repeating because I feel maybe just like these guys uh, on this matter of worship. You know, not too long ago, and we always hear people and they say things like, uh, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Anybody ever hear that before? Absolutely we have. Well, guess what? For the Christian church, for the born-again believers, for the church of Jesus Christ, the main thing is 
worship. The main thing is worship. You know, education is good, and evangelism is good, and, and being compassionate is good, and doing service is good, and doing all the things that we do in the name of Jesus Christ are great, and they're good. But listen close. It's all of that is going to come from worship. It's going to come because we have worshipped the Almighty God. It's, it's going to come, and it's going to be effective, not because of the talents that we have. It's because of the time that we spend with him and are obedient to him, and that we're, when we're fearful of him and when we love him, and when we, when we worship, meaning that we love and reverence him, and we stand in awe of him, and we're fearful of our God, that means all the things that we do, whether it's evangelism, whether it's teaching, whether, whether it's service, whether it's compassion, whether it's going to the hospital, that only then is it going to be, be effective because then Jesus Christ gets all the glory. Can I have an amen? See, worship is the main thing. Our worship, our worship at home, our worship at work, our worship on the car ride to work, our worship here in corporate worship, oh, is, is so great of importance. We've, we've talked about it for the weeks. We've talked about what worship is. We've talked about how, how it makes God feel with, on our worship when we worship him. We've talked about preparing ourselves. Remember, we all went home that day because Sean talked about that good-smelling roast. You know, we, we, we got to prepare. We got to prepare ourselves we talked about um we talked about um singing that new song we talked about that witness remember and so this morning we want to look at the protocol of worship so when you come do you worship do you worship now that's the main thing jesus said that the most important thing we are to do is to love the lord with all of our hearts and love one another that's important, but we have to have worship to do that. Do you see it? Do you see it? So again, do you do it when you come here? Do you prepare yourself for worship? Because of worship, are you experiencing that new song so that others may see it? Worship is an act. It's an attitude. It's revering him. It's humbling yourself unto him. It's an act. It's an attitude of bowing. Now, I want to share this with you, and we'll get to the protocol. But several times in Scripture, we are giving exhortations to worship God. You know, I think it's 780 times are we given exhortations in the Word of God to worship Him. So I think worship's pretty important, don't y'all? Absolutely. Um, here's a couple of them. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 29. It's also repeated in Psalms chapter 29, verse 2. Psalms 29, 2. We have this exhortation. It says, given to the Lord, look at it, the glory due unto his name, bring an offering and come before him, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Boy, that's beautiful. You see, that's worship. Psalms 99.5, it says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. That means that he is separated that means the worship that we give him, we give to nobody else because he's holy and he's separated. This is the act and attitude of what worship is. Go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. I, I want to share this with you, what Jesus says about worship. We read in Psalms chapter 95 where it, it grieved the Lord because people 
wasn't worshiping him, right? Isn't that what it said in verse, in verse 10 there? And it grieved him because basically they were doing it their way. But I want you to see what Jesus says about worship. The very first week we talked about John chapter 4 and where Jesus met the woman at the well. And he talked about worship and he said you're to worship the Father in spirit and truth, right? But now notice what he says here in Matthew chapter 4 verse 10. Remember, he spent 40 days in the wilderness, and he was fasting. He was hungry. He was thirsty. The old devil thought he could get one on Jesus Christ, but he wasn't going to have it, was he? And so within that, con- within that um, communication with Satan, he replied to Satan when he was being tempted. He said, get away from me, Satan, for it is because he wanted him to bow down to him. He said, get away from me, Satan, for it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Look at, the, look at his response. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, we're, we're going to speed up here, but I, I, I want to bring your attention to something. Notice in your Bibles that those words are capitalized. Now, any time in the New Testament where you see a sentence or a phrase like that capitalized, that means it's being quoted from the Old Testament. Did y'all know that? Well, now you do. That means those verses are being quoted from the Old Testament. And if you look in your references, if you have a reference Bible, you'll notice that every single one of your reference, bi- reference Bibles says that this reference comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. So would you please go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. Let's look and see... What Jesus, we're talking about worship. We're talking about the main thing, the main thing. We're going to get into the protocol, but I, I, I want you to look, look, look at this. So Jesus is speaking on worship. He's being tent of Satan, and he tells Satan, get away from me because I don't worship anybody else but God. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, this is what he is quoting. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. The word worships, that word worship is not in that verse. What Jesus is doing is, is he's summing up verse 13 with this word worship. And what he wants to see is what worship is. And what he's telling us is in verse 13 that worship, what he's talking about, he's saying to Satan that I'm only going to worship God and no one else. And and that worship he's talking about is having a fear of the Lord thy God and to serve him and shall swear by his name and his name only. So so I think in that beautiful text in in Matthew chapter 4 and Deuteronomy chapter 6, we can see exactly what Jesus Christ saw what worship looked like, and that is to fear the Lord and to love the Lord. Everybody say amen with me. And that's what worship is. It's when we love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and look at verse 5. Now, here's the thing about Deuteronomy. is is nowhere in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is anybody called to worship God, but instead in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses it, when, when it's talking about worship, but he's talking about how 
the pagans did it their way and not God's way. But we understand, and as it says in verse 5, that we should fear the Lord, worship is fearing the Lord, in verse 13, and loving him. And he says in verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. When we get there, we are worshiping God. When we are fearing him and when we are loving him. Now, all of this brings up an interesting question. When we get go into Deuteronomy, there's this place of exhortation not to worship the Lord like the heathen. And Moses said in this in Deuteronomy chapter six, he said that you must not worship the Lord your God in their way. Now I want us to hit this for a minute. That brings up an interesting question in Deuteronomy. What does it mean to worship God their way? Because I fear that sometimes we fall into that category and sometimes we'll worship God their way or our way instead of God's way. Now, in the Old Testament story, we were given a little, little insight into what pagan worship looked like. You remember when Elijah met, met met the uh, the bell prophets on Mount Carmel. You remember reading that in the Bible? And it says, how many of them was there? 400 of them. And remember that Elijah was there and they had the whole showdown with the rain and with the thunder and all that coming down. And and remember that when they were trying to make, when the when the when those false prophets were trying to make their fire and their sacrifice to to their God, Remember it says that, that they, was, they started screaming and shouting at their God or for their God, and they even started cutting themselves. They were dancing and all these different things. And, and so I think that story with many of them gives us, gives us a little insight, and, and, that, and here it is. When it comes to worship, we don't have to dance we don't have to shout to get God's attention. Amen? That's their way. But instead, when we come to worship God, we come in fear of him and to love him. Hey, there's nothing wrong with dancing and there's nothing wrong with, with giving shouts out to the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's not to get his attention. It's to give him praise and honor and worship. Amen? Amen? So when we're talking about worship, we're talking about fearing him, and we're talking about loving him. So when Jesus said worship, he's allowing us to understand worship. That is, worship is us showing his worth by our love and by our fear. And again, to worship God is to fear him, is to reverence him. Listen to me, it's to be in awe of him, to meet him. It's to make him our priority. So when we're really worshiping God, it's, it's, it's in reverence to him, it's loving him, and, and it's making him our priority. Let, let me ask you a question. Do, do you ever admire somebody for their spiritual discipline or their tenacity? Anybody? I, I think that we do sometimes. We see somebody and they just seem to have it all together and, and, and 
and they do things the right way and they honor the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, we see somebody make, we see people making the right choices, the right decisions, whatever case it may be. And it's very admirable, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, number one is that it's not that person, it's Christ that lives within them. Amen? But, but secondly, what I want us to see is that that person is only at that place in their life because they have worshipped God, because they are worshipping God. Amen? When it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to patience, when it comes to being honest, when it comes to all those things, we can only do that because of the fear and the love and the respect that we have for God. And those things are the attributes of us worshiping God. So worshiping God is the main thing, to be in fear, to be in awe, to be, for him to be our priority. Worship, loving him fearing him and knowing that he is the great I am, he is the God of all, when we meet with him, that's when we can be like Christ. Do you see it? And that's the reason why a lot of people are not like Christ. It's because they don't have any time of worship. And again, when we say worship, we're not saying that you got to dance around or raise your hand or do... Worship is an attitude. Worship is an attitude. Worship is a making God our priority. It's, it's being in fear of him. It's loving him. And it's not doing it our way. It's doing it his way. That is, it's all about him and about who he is and understanding, like Psalm says, that he owns all the mountains, that he is the, that he is the one who created all things, that he's in charge of all things, and we bow down and we worship him. That's what worship is. It's, it's that fear. It's that respecting of God. Do we get it? Do we see it? You know, if we're lacking in our life, if we're lacking in our life, I guarantee you it's because we're not making the main thing the main thing, and that's worship to God. And again, worship isn't us just coming here on Sunday mornings and, and, and listening to songs. That's, that's praise. And praise leads us into, into worship. But worship is an act. Worship is an attitude. And our attitudes have to be in that area of that we have great love and respect and awe of God. Because if you don't, you're not going to have worship. And if you don't have worship, you don't have very much victory and hardly any success. Do, you, do we get it? Do we get it? So we prepare, and so we worship, and so we worship in our homes, and we worship all day long. We worship in spirit and truth no matter where we're at, meaning that we walk in fear and in reverence and in love of Jesus Christ. That's worship. That is worship. I thought about this, and I asked myself this question. Why is it so hard? Why, why, is it, why is it so hard? Why is it, why is it so hard? Why does the main thing cause so much controversy? True worship should just happen, right? Talk to me. True worship should just happen, right? But it doesn't. Why? Here's why. And it's just like in the day of Moses. It's just like in the day of Jesus Christ. That is, we have adopted into our rational thinking, which is to place everyone in, on equal plane. Follow me here. It is ingrained in our sin nature. It is ingrained now in our culture and even in our philosophy that no one is better than anyone else. 
and thus no one has authority over anyone else, and everyone has an equal say. We're, we, 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 because of our sin nature, and because of our culture, even back in Moses' day, we are opposed to hierarchy of any kind. And it's interesting to me that many people want to be the boss, but very few people wants to obey the boss. Ultimately, we even bring God down to our level because, you see, it's ingrained in our sin nature. And we want to bring God down into, into our level. We want to worship my way. We want to, to take our hang-ups and our convictions, and we want to have worship our way. We want to meet God our way, just like the pagans. We have put our voice in place of God's. And in a sense, we have placed our priority over his and have placed, placed our powers over his powers. And that's why that the church today, a lot, is powerless because we placed our power over his. We're not experiencing true worship because we want it our way, because we're listening to our flesh and not into the, into the Holy Spirit of God and not to the Word of God. We're not revering him. We're not loving him. We're not giving him the awe. And so, therefore, we're not coming out of worship and being that testimony. We're not singing that new song that God has put in us. Because we lived in a sin-depraved world where there's total depravity, where when we're born again in the Spirit of God, the old flesh, the old Ron Fox, the old you, it didn't just disappear. It's still alive. And so when you feed that thing, it wants to worship God. It wants to compromise, and it wants to justify the very things that God wants us to do and to be so we can be close to him so that we can experience worship and have victory in our life and great success. I'm not saying that we do it wrong. I'm just saying that we have to be practical about this thing about worship. And again, it's not about singing a song. That's not worship. It's not about showing up and coming through those doors. That's not worship. It's the attitude and our act, and it's us loving God with all of our heart, and it's in being in, in, in fear and awe of him because he's God. And when we reach that place, then that praise music or those hymns, it doesn't matter what kind of song it is, then, then that brings us to the avenue and it gets us to the place that we can be in union with God and where we're listening and where he comes to meet us and we come to meet him and we're saying, God, have your way in my life and it's all about you and it's not about me. It's not my way, it's not their way, it's your way. That's when we've reached worship and you don't, you, you can't, it's not just here that you can do that. Please listen. It's everywhere you go that you can do that because God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time, and he meets us wherever we go. It's everywhere and anywhere. It, that's where you should sing that new song, not the old song of despair, not the old song of defeat, not the old song of depression, not the old song of my, my wife left me, not the old song that life isn't fair, but the new song that Jesus Christ is God and he saved me from my sins and I've been raised with him to walk in the newness of life. That's the new song. Sing your new song. But you can only sing your new song like the psalmist did in Psalms 40 because you met with God. We've got to have a reverence. We've got to have an awe 
but we got to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. That's a funny thing. We use that word love for everything, don't we? I love my new truck. You know, I love keeping bees. We say it. I, 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 love, I love apple pie. I, I love apricot cobbler. I love it. We use that word. We should only use love for our relationships with people like our wives or our children, but more importantly, God. You see, I love my wife. And, and because I love my wife, my wife, my wife, I almost said, was that almost plural, maybe? <laughs> I'm glad that wasn't a cuss word coming out there. Um, um, I'm going to do things to develop my relationship with her, right? Because I love her. I'm going to buy her gifts. I'm going to go shopping at Ann Taylor's. God, forgive me. I went there with her on Friday, and I, I wanted to kill myself and choke her. I don't know. <laughs> you deserve the best. But <laughs> I'm not sure if Ann Taylor is. But anyways, uh, I'm going to do things for, I'm going to, I'm going to buy things for, I'm, 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 I'm going to do things to, to, listen to me, I'm going to do things to develop our relationship together to make it stronger, to make it better, to make it more conducive, because why? Because I love her. Isn't the same true with God? I mean, worship is working and building our relationship with God. That's worship. You see it? See, that's worship. I'm going to do things to strengthen my relationship. Why? Because I love him. He does it for me because he loves me. That's love. That's love. That's love. That's love. So you see it? Worship, as Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, he quotes worship by summarizing verse 13 in Deuteronomy chapter 6 of fear and love. Fear and love is worship. Isn't that good? All right, let me give you um, five protocols of worship. Psalms chapter 100. It will be done in five minutes. Psalms chapter 100. So let's have the hunger to meet with him. Let's prepare ourselves. Let's sing that new song. Let's mortify the old man. Let's make sure your worship witnesses the great I am. Okay? Psalms 100, the protocol to worship. What is it going to look like? It's going to look different for different people. We're all different personalities. But I think these, I know, these things should be prevalent um, um, when we meet, when we're meeting with the Lord. Um, I love working when Denise is working um, because here at the office because she's constantly going up and down the hallways with her headphones on. You know what she's doing? She's singing. She's making noise and she's just having a great time, um, you know, and so forth. And it, it's not the songs that she sings that's causing her to worship. 
but it's that her attitude that she has to the Lord of why she's worshiping. But I just love, and sometimes she doesn't know it, and she's in the nursery right now, but sometimes I'll just kind of go peek into a room where she's working because it just really um, inspires me. It really does. It really does. Um, but anyways, um, it, it's, it's good. It's just an example. Psalms 100. Um, number one, um, Psalms 100, 100 verse 1, um, shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Or that phrase, shout for joy. I, I use that word triumphantly because this includes a shout of triumph or a battle cry. That's what this means in verse 1. So number one, um, raise your voice to God. Now, when we come to worship, our agenda is to meet with God. Everybody say amen. God's agenda, guess what, is to meet with us. And as we walk down the path to worship God, we simply should not and we cannot be quiet. Look, if we're coming here to worship God and raising our voices isn't the, the worship part, all right? But if we're coming to worship him, I mean, we've got a lot to be triumphant and to shout about. So when we enter into the God's presence, when we enter into worship, certainly there's going to be that triumphant shout, that battle cry. We shout for joy because the Lord, listen, is among us, is among us. Number two, um, we should render honor to God. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Psalms 100 verse 2. Our shouts were turned into songs. Look, music is the form uh, through which we often express, express our gladness, our joy, and our praise. Just like Denise when she's walking around, around the church. And I'm sure she does it at home too. But our songs, listen close. Our songs are not to create our gladness, but to express our gladness. You get it? It's not to create something but it's to, for us to express. And I'm telling you if, if, if you, if you can't come to church and if you can't sing a song to God, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you because you haven't entered apparently somewhere where you know that Jesus Christ is God and he's the great I am and it doesn't matter what happened yesterday or 30 minutes ago, he's still God and we can praise and give joy to him. So it's, it's, it doesn't make us glad singing songs, but it's the way that we express. 575 references to praise, singing, and music are found in the Bible. Wow, 575. At the very center of the volume is a 150-song hymnal we know as the Book of Psalms. From the beginning, music has been an essential link between God and his children. However, just because we sing a hymn or sing a praise song doesn't mean we are worshiping. Music, therefore, is a vehicle that steers the emotion and it expresses our hearts. But music is not worship in itself because it's your attitude. It's your act. It is part of the protocol that prepares the heart and sets the stage for the encounter with God. And it doesn't matter if it's a hymn, it doesn't matter if it's a praise song, it doesn't matter if it's a contemporary song, listen to me. Worship happens when we fear and love the Lord, and this is a vehicle for us to get there, for us to express ourselves of our, of our, of our gladness and our joy of him. Music or other things, 
we, we, we do can assist and express a worshiping heart, but they cannot, listen to me, but they cannot make a non-worshiping heart a worshiping one. I'm going to say that again. Music cannot make a non-worshiping heart into a worshiping one. Only between you and God can do that. Number three, acknowledge God. Notice it says in verse three, acknowledge that the Lord is God. Now, here we acknowledge that Jesus is our Savior and we submit to him as our Lord. We remind ourselves as to whom God is. And at the same time, we are reminded of who we are. We're just his humble servants. He is the creator. Listen, we are the created. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. And we are completely dependent upon him for everything. In other words, he is God and we're not. See it? Number four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Um, as we enter God's presence, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's here that we thank God for what he has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. You see it? Once through the gates, the worshiper enters the court with praise, and here we are to extol God for who he is. That is, this word praise means being thankful. It's not worship. It sets the stage up for worship to meet God. Praise precedes worship. Praise is the best way. Praise is the way into worship, and worship is the way into an encounter with the living God. David Edwards, in his book, Worship 365, writes this. He says, when we praise God, we are ringing the doorbell, making our presence known, letting him know that we have come to see him. With thanksgiving, we come to the Lord. Everybody say amen. With thanksgiving. You know, if we don't have thanksgiving, if we, if we come all bittered and we, we come and we had a hard week and we're just nothing, we've got to come. And, and he's telling us here, do you want to meet God in worship? Do, do you want that new song? Do you want to have the power of worship? Do, do you want to have victory in life? Do you want to have that success? Then by the grace of God, you come and you shout. You come and you praise unto God. And when you come, you have some thanksgiving. Even if you have nothing that you really have nothing to be thankful about, you still need to come with a thanksgiving heart, being thankful for him. If anything, we can all be thankful that he saved us from hell, right? Huh? Give the Lord a hand. He saved us from hell. He's taken us to heaven. And all these things that we go through around and about and everywhere we go and the disappointments in life, it's not fair, I guess, but it's part of life. But I can tell you this, there are opportunities for you to grow. There are opportunities for God to show up and do miraculous things. I mean, you know, Sandy, you know, she was so fearful of that she had cancer. And, I mean, she, I mean, through that great trial, she went going to have a test to be in the hospital for five days. And then the scaring that it's something so major... But praise God, when it was all said and done, it's an ulcer. God heals, God touches, God answers prayer. It's not about what we're going through. It's about what God's going to do. Be thankful. You're not, if you, for corporate worship or any other worship, 
if you're not thankful, if you're not, not thankful, you're not going to experience it, right? That's what we're being, that's what he's telling us here. Your way is to feel sorry for us. Our ways are to feel sorry for ourselves. Poor me, so God's going to come to me, and he's going to ta-ta me. No, we need to come to God with praise, with a shout. We need to come and with a victory cry. We need to, we need to come to him and, 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 and not doing it our way, but doing it his way and being thankful. You see, it's attitude. Um, next, bless the name of God. Praise his name. Verse 4, the word praise means to kneel. Listen close. It communicates the idea to show honor and reverence to God by kneeling before him as king of kings and lord of lords. Now, true worship always involves falling, falling to the feet of God. Now, why on our knees? Because we are in the presence of the king, the God of the universe. In a sense, we've got to fall to our knees in our heart and know who we're standing in front of and have reverence for. Now, the essence of his being Understanding his all-encompassing nature, understanding his very person, his resolute character, and, and, and they're all summed up in the name of God. All summed up in the name of God. Now, worship is encountering the person of God as revealed by his name. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks. Give thanks to him. Praise him. Bow to your knees. These are avenues in which we can come, the protocol in which we can come and we can meet him, and then the avenue, the vehicle which drives us to where worship is going to happen. But understanding that worship is a matter of us loving him with all of our heart, mind, and soul, like it said in verse 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it's to fear him. It's to fear him, and it's to love him. He's given us the protocol. He's given us the vehicles. Now we just got to do it. Now we just got to do it. Amen. Let's bow our heads just for a minute. We're not quite finished. But let's, let's pray together. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I, I, I pray that all of us gets this main thing of worship, that it's an, it's an attitude as well as an act. And that anything that we can muster up in our own strength, it falls short of meaning anything um, unless we do it your way. Lord, I, I pray that we'll all make worship our main thing. Certainly, when we prepare for Sunday mornings to come corporately, when we come here to worship you, to give ourselves unto you, to make that sacrifice to you, Lord, that, um, that we, will, we, will, we, will, we will come with that attitude. But, Lord, I, I also pray that during the week, that will have that attitude of worship as well and the acts of worship as well too, Lord, during the week, understanding that it's pretty impossible to, to live, like, live like the devil during the week and, and come here and to, and to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, I pray that it's, that it's on our minds every day 
that we prepare ourselves every day, that we're obedient to you every day, and that worship takes place. Lord, I pray that you'll have your way here at Cornerstone. I pray, Lord, that you'll have your way in all of our hearts. I pray that, um, that the testimony and the witness of our worship will, will affect others around us here this morning in this room, as well as people that we work with or that we live around. Lord, that, that we all have a witness, but I pray that it's a witness of worship. That new song, that's a powerful witness. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand with me just for a minute. Every head bowed. Every head bowed. Worship is the main thing. Guys, I love you, and I'm, I'm proud to be your pastor, and I'm your shepherd, and I'm your preacher. It's my job to get you in the corner, not to let you out, you know. Um, worship is the main thing. If we don't have worship, if you do not have personal worship, you're going to have very, very, very little victory in the name of Jesus. And you're going to have very, 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 very little success in the name of Jesus. There must be true worship in our lives. And it's not the kind of worship that we think worship is. It's the kind of worship that God says it is. It's making him that priority. It means that if God says that not, being, that not forgiving people is wrong, then because God says so, we forgive people who trespass against us. It means that if God calls for his people to be a patient people, that we're patient people. Worship is revering him. It's, it's, it's being obedient to him. It's loving him and loving these, him enough to let him look into our lives and to, to show us some things and purge those things out. You see, I'm convinced that if there's unforgiveness in our lives, we're not going to worship God. If there is, if there is sin in our lives, if there is bitterness, if there is anger, if there is jealousy or all these things, all of these things are going to keep us from worshiping him and therefore having success in the name of Jesus Christ. But we've got a hunger for his righteousness. We've got to be tired of having it our way and that we want it his way. To have a true hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, to seek his presence, because, ladies and gentlemen, he's here to seek us. Are we here to, to, to seek him and to humble ourselves and to draw close to him. Whatever it is this morning, you come 
you come as God leads you. Maybe there's something in your life that you just got to get rid of so you can have communion with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You need victory. You need success. You need that in your life. You come right now and take care of business with him. He's here to meet with you. You come as God leads. If you need salvation, you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, now's the day. If you need a church home, now's the day. But worship God in spirit and truth.